You're listening to the Catholic Single and Flourishing Podcast, where I help Catholic Christian singles live their God-inspired call today while paving a path for a vocation in the future. I'm your certified professional coach, Chad Etzel. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Catholic Single and Flourishing Podcast. I'm Chad Etzel, helping you live your vocation as a single person today, but also pave a path for your permanent vocation in the future. You can follow me at Chad underscore Etzel on Twitter and Instagram and Chad dash Etzel on LinkedIn. And one of the common things that I run into a lot of the times when I'm speaking to young adults or maybe clients that I'm coaching is they say something to the effect of this. I know that I should be saving, but I don't really know how much or what I should be saving for, which to begin with is just very incredible, very awesome that they're doing something that they already have within them the habit of saving, but they don't really have a direction of where they should be going with their money. And that's something that I think is is just important to have a, a roadmap. And that's what I want to talk about today. Within these solo episodes over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about the effective Catholic single life and some of the habits that lead to that or the vision or the strategy as I've talked in previous episodes. And today, what I want to talk about is money in the effective Catholic single life. I'm going to be reviewing a book similar to what I had been doing before. Maybe it's not so much a review, but maybe much more of a summary in how that applies to you as a single person today. But today's episode, I'm going to be talking about The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. And this is similar to the episode I did earlier where you can actually hear more of my story. I dive into some other angles of this, these concepts. In episode 25, it was three essential money tips for being an asset rather than a liability. And you can go check out that episode and check out my story from that. But this is something where Dave Ramsey, you might recognize the name. He's impacted millions. He's impacted me. It's very He's a very key part of my own journey, my story. I'm going to be unpacking much more of his content within this particular episode. But what's really fascinating is it's not just about money, but a lot of times Dave Ramsey is able to bring in the scriptural components. The or How does money impact us on a spiritual level? He doesn't really go into it too, too much. He quotes scripture a lot. But I, I think he has a very good biblical basis for where things go in especially when it comes to money, because one of the things that Jesus talks about the most in his teachings in the New Testament is money. Now, it might not be about money and what to do with money and how to do money in the in, in our modern world, but I think there's a lot where he talks about one cannot serve two masters. One cannot serve both God and mammon, and basically teaching us that we need to not be a servant to materialism and building wealth in this world, but ultimately serve God. But he also doesn't outright condemn money. And I think that's very important for us as Christians in today's day and age to remember is that he, Jesus, is teaching us how to see money, how to see worldly things, how to see worldly wealth in the way that we are called to in, in a gospel vision. But aside from that, the total money makeover, it's more about practicals rather than a spiritual lens. I don't want to get too far into that. That's a whole nother show and a whole nother topic. I would recommend a book by Father Thomas Dubay, Happy Are You Poor? 
And he goes much more into the Catholic Christian vision of that and how we are called to use money in today's day and age in the modern world. And then along with that, there's another book. It's called The Legend of the Monk and the Merchant by Terry Felber. And that one goes more into the distinctions of what is our vocation? What is our call? What is God calling us to today? And how do we look at that through a sort of spiritual lens in, in that particular way. But aside from the spiritual principles, I want to give you much more of the practicals, which is tends to be a lot more of my podcast episodes is more on the practical side of things. But I want to start with the vision of why are we talking about finances in the first place? Because I found a lot of singles oftentimes just look at their lives and say, you know, I'm managing and I can get by this month and I'm not having any catastrophic things. I'm good with finances I don't really need to have a long-term plan or a long-term vision. And when I get married, I'll just take care of myself and figure figure things out then. But this is actually something that, that Dave often brings up in one of his rants. He talks about this quite often here. And I'm going to pull out the, the book here to, to share what he says. And he, he talks about marriage and how money is actually very important, very crucial to having a successful marriage. He says, the number one cause of divorce in America is money fights and money problems. Spouses don't just don't know how to talk to each other about money. That's because most of the time, the husband and the wife have totally different personalities and about everything, and that includes money. So getting to this point that money is actually a big factor in terms of being able to be successful in marriage, one of the greatest ways to prepare for marriage is by learning how to master our finances today, especially as single people, especially before we intertwine our lives with others. Being able to get a control, get a, a handle over our money is one of the things that can pave our path towards our long-term permanent vocation. And maybe you've recognized that there's a theme here that's come up with previous episodes and this episode now where every single one of us is in marriage prep, even if we are single. Marriage prep doesn't start when we get engaged, but marriage prep is now the habits, the character that we build along the way. And I've brought this up in numerous episodes of the podcast, but I think it's very, very important that number one, it's our character and our habits that we can learn to master now as single people. And especially as it relates to personal finances. And that's what this episode is about, being able to master those sorts of that sort of trajectory and those sorts of habits are going to get us on the trajectory of having a thriving marriage. There's a quote from Proverbs that I do want to share just to help us with this vision. And it says this, it's Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. So even from a biblical perspective, we are seeing the call to leave an inheritance, leave a legacy, a financial legacy. And that's not just wealth in and of itself, but it goes beyond ourselves. That's the point that I really want to underscore is that Wealth is not about me and what do I get out of it, but being able to build something that goes beyond me. So where's Dave coming from? I think that this is an important part, and he starts off the book really in the first couple pages talking about his own story. And this is what he says. And I think this, this adds a little bit more context to why he's teaching what he teaches. He says, we started with nothing, but by the time I was 26 years old, we held real estate worth over $4 million. So starting with absolutely nothing, he gets into real estate and gets $4 million. He's, he's at that point of hard work and has $4 million. And he says, I was good at real estate. 
but I was better at borrowing money. Even though I had become a millionaire, I had, bu- I had built a house of cards. The short version of the story is that we went through financial hell and lost everything over a three-year period of time. We were sued, foreclosed on, and finally, with a brand new baby and a toddler, we were bankrupt. Scared doesn't begin to cover it. Crushed comes close. But we held on to each other and decided we needed a change. That, I think, is really the the outline of the beginning of his story. Making $4 million off of real estate and then losing it all. Filing for bankruptcy. Getting to that low point, that rock bottom. And one of the things that I just find amazing about him is his perspective on life. He said, hitting bottom and hitting it hard was the worst thing that's ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to me. And he he talks about this in other classes about his relationship with his wife and how this was a trying time for their marriage, but helped them grow together through this experience as well. And that's one of the things that money can do. It's such an emotional thing that it draws us out of ourselves. And especially in marriage, we learn to work more and more as a team despite these different backgrounds and these different personalities. He goes on to to tell a little bit more about his story. And one of the things that he discovered, so he did a little bit of research in terms of reading and speaking to other people, learning about experts, talking to experts. And one of the things that he discovered was himself within this process. He realized, you know what? The problem is not the economy. The problem is me. If I can manage myself, if I can win with money, then I can change my life. And just by taking that perspective, taking ownership over his life, allowed him to transform his life, build the company that he has today, while also helping millions of Americans in the process. That's all him recognizing this is him owning his life and taking ownership over his life. That's just been another one of those themes that has come up in this, this podcast over and over is what do I have influence on? What can I control? What steps can I take to to move forward in life? Moving on into some of the the content of of the book, one of the things that he tends to be, I guess, controversial on is the role of debt. And I think that wherever you're coming from, you made it this far in the episode. I want to invite you to continue listening, but also continue listening with an open disposition with what Dave has to say here. I think that there's a lot of wisdom here. Again, he's helped millions of Americans and he's he's lived lived this himself, but it's also had an impact on me, which I shared. There's another episode you can listen to and and check out as well, episode 25. But with this, he talks about he lays out a couple of myths and truths for for debt through this this book. One of the things that he says is myth, debt is a tool and should be used to create prosperity. That's the myth. And then he, the converse truth is debt adds considerable risk, most often doesn't bring prosperity, and isn't used by wealthy people nearly as much as we are led to believe. And we are absolutely marketed in so many ways by so many things in the world that, hey, you know, you can just pay this much per month and you can have this car that you want. And whatever it is, there's, there's so many different ways that people approach debt and talk about it. And, and it's advertised in a way that that's the way to, to build wealth. One of the things that he cites in the book is that there was this Forbes 400 survey that was done. Basically, these are the 400 richest people in America. And they were given a survey and 
out of those 400 richest people in America, 75% of them said the best way to build wealth is to either stay out of debt or get out of debt as quick as you can. That is not just these people that, you know, are next door neighbor in their opinion on debt, but this is these are the richest people in America saying these sorts of things. So I do think that there's some value in this and remembering that debt is maybe so much a, a wealth building tool, but it's something that it can interfere with our ability to to build wealth and to support our vocations and, and move forward in life. In just giving a simple thought experiment, he also talks about how the average car payment is about $500 a month over the course of five years. These numbers are from, I don't know, 10 or so years ago. So I don't know what it is now, but just thinking about that, $500 per month, what's the trade-off? What's the opportunity cost here? Because if instead of buying a brand new car where we're spending $500 a month, if instead we bought a reliable used car, and then invest that 500 or so dollars per month into mutual funds over the course of 40 years we'd become multimillionaires that i think is just a very important thing to remember that not to get sucked into thinking car payments in debt is just that's just a part of life but there's ways to work around that to get the utility of a of a new car by driving a reliable used car sometimes you do have to pay for maintenance and so on that's that's a given but to be able to invest that money wisely, there's a trade-off when we're actually paying for a new car versus paying for a used car and investing that money. So the trade-off could be not just the $500 a month, but millions that we could be having in the future. In addition to this, he talks about debt and beyond just the, the trade-offs there, but how a lot of people, when they, they think about debt, there's the cars. Okay, yeah, I can avoid cars and I'll just buy a reliable used car, get by with that. But I definitely need to have a credit card. And a lot of times that's a reasonable understanding of the world because that's a lot of times what we're taught. We're told we need to build a credit score, which he talks about. He, he asks this question and I'll ask this in coaching too. Well, why do you need to build a credit score? And a lot of times people are just kind of puzzled because it's kind of like this first principle of modern financial health is to have a credit score. And they think, well, I guess it's so, I don't know, maybe one day I can buy a car or buy a house. And really it's to get a loan for a car, get a loan for a house, because you can, if you have the money, just buy a car straight outright. But what what's interesting is I, I like to flip this back to them, and this is what Dave oftentimes is to show them that you're getting into debt so that you can get more debt, right? There's kind of this cycle, this debt cycle that is can be destructive if we're not really evaluating and not really thinking about it. The th- that I think is an important thing of, well, what's the purpose of having the credit card to begin with? What's the purpose of the credit score? Seeing it in that light, it helps us to see, oh, this actually may be a cycle that doesn't actually help me in my my long-term financial goals. Just as a side note, one of the things that Dave does allow in, in a certain extent is up to a 15-year fixed rate mortgage for buying a home, which he underscores is you don't even need a credit score for that. I think it's common for banks to use credit scores, but there's another process. It's called manual underwriting. I'm not going to get into that, what manual underwriting is too much, but essentially you show 
that you are financially healthy to banks that do this, where if you have no credit score, they're willing to lend you money to go buy a home because you are winning with money and you have the evidence to prove that. Not going to get too far into that, but the point here is that you don't even need a credit score to be able to get a loan from a bank. Beyond that, one of the things that I've found in terms of debt and credit cards in particular in my coaching is that one thing it does is it takes us away from the reality of our money. The What I mean by that is that when we are using a credit card, we're actually using somebody else's money and then sometimes even money that we don't have. But what what we do when I, I coach somebody, a lot of times maybe they're in a couple thousand dollars worth of debt as I tell them, hey, either cut up your credit card or just stick it in a drawer. It's less of an extreme measure. Stick it in a drawer, stick it in your freezer or whatever. Put it aside for a moment because we really need to work on getting out of debt and it's hard to really dig yourself out of a hole. So just by putting that aside, focus on knocking down that debt is really an important first step for for being able to, to gain financial freedom and financial mastery. But the thing that has helped is what I said earlier about living in reality. Using your money instead of somebody else's, it helps you grasp a better understanding of what your life situation is and what your money situation is instead of just spending, putting something on credit, worrying about it later. But what that does is living in reality, it gives you much more tangibility to your budget. You're much more able to track where your money is going because the basics of budgeting are you list your income, you list your expenses, and then from there, you're figuring out how much am I spending, how much am I saving, and so on. But what credit does is it adds another step in that process. So it's you have to figure out, well, okay, I'm using credit, and then that factors into the expenses, but I have to take my income and I have to pay off the credit card. It just adds another dynamic. And so especially when I'm coaching, it, it helps if we set that credit card aside and we just go to the basics. We go back to the basics of income and expenses. Which that leads us into the seven baby steps. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but the the before getting into the steps, there's those budgeting basics that I, I want to mention. And the key of these seven steps, we need to know those basics of budgeting, as I mentioned just now, of the income versus the expenses. It's our income, our savings, and then what are our expenses? What are our debts? What do we need to be paying off? One thing that I, I like to highlight, and they've been talking about this a lot more with on, on the Dave Ramsey podcast, but the, the whole concept of income minus expenses is your margin. And if you have a negative margin, it means you're, you have more expenses than you do have in your, your monthly income. And, one of, and you have to change that equation some way to balance it out. But I think what's, what's very important is to remember that margin having a positive margin, your income is greater than your expenses. With that positive margin, it allows you to move through the baby steps, through the financial plan that is outlined for you. And going back to what my my friend said earlier that I mentioned at the beginning of this, the show, I have savings, but I don't really know what the savings are for or where to put them. The baby steps are very, very helpful for outlining a plan like this. So baby step number one, save $1,000 for a starter emergency fund. This one is not a full emergency fund, but just gets you going in the right direction because a lot of times people are afraid to give up the credit cards just in case there's an emergency. So the alternator goes out on a car 
that's five or $600 to fix. Well, if I don't have $1,000 in as a savings emergency fund, then I'm going to be tempted to use the credit card to fix the car. But if I do have $1,000 saved up, then I can get that fixed because that's what that is for to begin with. Step number two is a debt snowball. So once you have that $1,000 saved in your bank account, start paying off all, all your debts. Dave Ramsey recommends paying off the smallest owed debt, whatever the balance the smallest is, list them, start with the smallest, attack the smallest, and then build from there. He calls it the, the snowball, where a lot of other financial experts might say, well, mathematically, you want to start with whatever has the highest interest rate, knock that debt down before moving on to the next. And on a financial level, that makes the most sense. But what Dave has learned over time is it's about momentum and about financial peace. It isn't so much about the mathematics because what keeps you going is that momentum, paying off one debt, seeing the difference there and paying off the next debt and so on. Just getting momentum in that way helps you to continue on that path to financial freedom. And then number three, this is baby step number three, three to six months of living expenses, basically saving money in in order to in order for any of those bigger emergencies i'd say for those of you who are are single and listening to this podcast especially if you don't own your own place you can err on the side of three months as opposed to six months because that'll allow you to use that money for other investments as we talk about in baby step four five and six baby step four is save for retirement start investing for retirement 15 percent is what dave ramsey recommends Number five is save for children's college education, which if you're single and you don't have any children, you can skip the step because you can't actually do the step until you have kids. And then you can start saving for their education, their college education. And then number six is pay off the mortgage. That step implies that you already have a mortgage. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But regardless, all four, four, five, and six, retirement, college, children's education, mortgage, those are meant to be done sequentially, but also done at the same time. One of the things that he recommends for those of you who don't have homes is baby step 3B, which he says, save for a down payment on a home. So save for a down payment on a home. Maybe you have no money now and your goal is to, in five years, save $60,000 to put a down payment on a home. Well, that's something that is is doable, especially being able to save aggressively and invest Sometimes you need to just put a pause on your retirement, especially if you've done really well saving for retirement up to this point, to start saving for that down payment on a home, getting to that point where eventually you can buy that home in five years. Smart saving, smart investing, find yourself a good financial advisor, and you can be on a roll for something like that. And then finally, the seventh baby step is build wealth and give generously. And this is the step that I think most most of us for decades are probably going to be spending in that three, four, five, six range of those steps, especially paying off that that home mortgage. But baby step seven, I don't think Dave Ramsey gets a lot of credit for or really gets a lot of spotlight on because there's such that decade run up to that point. But one of the things he talks about in the book is that it exists for for three reasons. And I'm going to read this, this section here. And he says, why do we want to have wealth? If you think wealth will answer all life's questions and make you trouble-free, you're delusional. This is an important point that wealth isn't 
an end in and of itself. Again, as I mentioned before, the reason we save money, the reason we invest, the reason we have retirement is it goes beyond us. And he gets into this here. He says, after the years of studying, teaching, and even preaching on the subject across America, I can find only three good uses of money. Money is good for fun. Money is good to invest. And money is good to give. And I think we can think about that just for a second and oftentimes think, well, all right, is fun, is that really a good use of money? I think that in terms of we do need to be prudent in ter- in fun, in, in the fun that we have when, when it comes to our money and not be extravagant. But I, I do think his point there with fun is an important one that we, it's crazy living in this 21st century, we have access to be able to get on a plane, travel across the world continents away in something that three, four or 500 years ago would have taken months and months at a time. This is a gift, I think, in a way from God living in this time, in this day and age to be able to see the world, to be able to encounter God's creation in a way that was not a privilege back centuries before us. So I do think that, especially if we're approaching it from a spiritual lens of fun, not just for our own gratification, but to be able to encounter God and his creation in a particular way, we can step into that world. And that's an invitation by God for us to, to step into. So baby step seven, build wealth, be able to experience God's creation in that way, but also to be able to experience recreation and recreation with others. We are made for a relationship. We are made for those who God has put in our lives. So be able to spend time with them in the image of God, resting on the seventh day, resting with our family, being with others as well. That I think is a very important point that he brings up in terms of this book in the baby step seven, which is one about fun. And then two is investment that I think a lot of us have this impression of retirement is just this time where I have this big pool of money and I hope I die sooner than my money disappears. But in reality, the goal is to be able to get to a point in retirement where you actually are not living off that pool, but on a year in a year out basis, you can live off of a, a investment return that you're living off of the interest. That's the word that I'm looking for. Dave recommends 8% because this is a pretty conservative approach on a, on average, the stock market's going to make about 8% if you're invested in the right things that you can live off of. I think conservatively, maybe maybe 6% just for use of this example. Who knows what the state of the world is going to be in. But on average, if you're in conservative investments living off of 6%, you're going to get a fairly consistent return over the years. So the question then becomes, can you live off of 6% or can you live off of 8% as Dave Ramsey recommends? And if you can, you've gotten to that sustainable place. So for example, if you've gotten to $1 million in retirement, can you live off of 6% of that? That's $60,000, which with a paid off home, you maybe can, it might be a little bit tight, but, but potentially you could. So what if you had $2 million? That's $120,000. Given what three decades look like, our financial systems, who knows exactly. But I think trying to build the wealth now is just very important and is something that is doable to be able to get to that point of $2 million, especially if you have 30 years until you retire. 
So it's, it, it is, I, I do want to say my experience of kind of planning this out, it is a bit of a moving target because you don't know where you're going to live. You don't know when marriage is going to come, especially as a single person. It's a lot harder to project. So the more investing that you can do now, the more wealth that you'll have in the future and the more wealth that you can identify, all right, I can live off of, but then the rest is this next part, which is give the next purpose of money as Dave Ramsey talks about. And if you're in excess, then you can give that money. And that's what this, this part is here. Dave Ramsey quotes Margaret Thatcher saying, talking about the, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And she says within this parable that Jesus Jesus shares, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as wealth. I think that's very profound that this good Samaritan not only took care of the man who was robbed and beaten and left half dead, but this good Samaritan went down to help him, took him to an inn, and be able to give out of his own resources to provide for this, this poor man. So I think that's that's just such an important point. It's like, okay, yeah, it's kind of it's too bad to be you. But I'm not going to leave you there. I'm actually going to go out of my way and help you. And he had the material resources to be able to do that. One thing I want to underscore in this is being able to give and give in a generous fashion is that we are called, we are made to be a gift of ourselves to others. I mentioned earlier in this episode, we're made for relationships. But money, what it does is it's in a sense an extension of us because we can give to those causes that we really care about. But we can give of ourselves in a deeper way, in a more free way, if we have the wealth to be able to do so. There's so many things that are out there in the world, so many competing forces, but being able to identify what are the things that God is calling me to give to and make a huge impact in, that's something that ultimately has the capacity to move the world. Not that everything is about money, that's not what I'm saying, but money allows us to have the capacity to make a huge difference in a way that we we might be called to. And one way that we can do that, I, I want to encourage you, and I've mentioned this before in other episodes, is this whole concept of tithing. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament culture was a tithing culture. One-tenth of their income would go to support the, the ministry, the, the church, I guess back then, the, the ministers of God, the priests, the Levites, and so on. And I think in a way, we are called to give generously. Now, it may not be exactly 10% right now in today's day and age. That may not be realistic for where you are at this point in your life. But I do think that there's a special invitation that you have right now to give and give something on a consistent basis. Maybe if you can't do 10%, maybe start with 3% this year. And then next year, start with 4%. And then the year after, start with 5 and start building up. Because it's not necessarily about the 10%. But it's about being able to live generously and also live in a way that if you're living on 90% of your income rather than that extra 10 with the tithe, you're helping to recognize where is the money meant to be going. And ultimately, it's supposed to be going to us being a steward of God's resources. And that 10% is a sign of that. One of the things that Dave highlights and one of the things I think is really true is being able to give. If we give generously, we come with open hands, giving of ourselves, giving of our gifts to others. But what that does is it allows for us to have an open hand to be able to receive from God. 
Whereas if we're clenching with clenched fists without giving, we're holding tight. We can't receive the blessings that he ultimately wants to give us. And so beyond just that 10% and where that 10% is going, it's our spiritual disposition of being able to receive whatever it is that God is calling us to receive today. So that gives you an idea, quick rundown of the total money makeover and understanding, breaking through some of the, the myths around debt, the seven baby steps, and then the importance of baby step seven, where we're getting to that point of living, fun, investing, and giving to encounter God and his creation and his spiritual blessings that he has for us. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Catholic Single and Flourishing. I encourage you to check out csfcoaching.com and to check out any offerings that I have. You can have a personalized strategy session if you want a 90-minute session with me. I also have a coaching package that I offer for singles, so you can take advantage of that. Look that up. Feel free to reach out to me for questions, whether it's on social media or the email provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Live God-inspired. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Catholic Single and Flourishing. If you have received value from today's show, please like, share, and leave a five-star rating. I also want to invite you to check out our coaching offerings at csfcoaching.com. That's CSF as in Catholic Single and Flourishing. And you can get your free ebook available for you to help you overcome the cycle of pressure and in action. You can also find me on social media. All links are provided in the show notes.